This message is brought to you by Alliance Bible Church located in Mequon, Wisconsin. Our vision is to captivate generations with the satisfying gospel of Jesus Christ. For more information about Alliance Bible Church or other resources, please check out our website, myabc.church. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Brian Danesburg podcast. And um, we uh, at Alliance Bible Church made a significant announcement last week on Easter Sunday that uh, Alliance Bible Church is expecting. We are due to give birth to Lakeside Alliance Church in the fall of 2023. And um, I know that when we made that announcement, it was greeted with much enthusiasm and excitement, but there are also questions that uh, the people have about it, the who, what, when, where, why of, uh, of this. And so we are just beginning to answer some of those questions, and I want to dive in right away by, uh, by answering a question, why plant a church at all? Why is this even something that we would consider doing? Um, so let me go through eight reasons, eight reasons why uh, we would plant a church, okay? Eight reasons. Uh, let me just work through these here. Won't take that long. First reason, the scriptures encourage church planting. And if you were a part of our series on the book of Acts, this should not come as any surprise to you. The scriptures clearly encourage church planting. Now, there are a lot of ministry endeavors churches can put time, talent, and treasure behind. Lots of them. Starting another church is kind of a a no-brainer. It's a rather easy endeavor to defend biblically. Uh, Sit down sometime and read through Acts from beginning to end in one sitting. One of the remarkable things you'll notice is how encouraging it is of new churches starting. To a great degree, the entire book of Acts is a biography on how churches got started. And if Acts truly does record all that Jesus continued to do and teach, then church planting has the backing of Jesus himself. It's what he's about. We are participating in the story Jesus is writing in which the church is one of the main characters, and one of the main features of this character is to start churches. And so that's the first reason, foundational reason. The scriptures encourage church planting. Second, church planting is an outworking of what the church is supposed to be. Church planting is actually an outworking of what the church is supposed to be. J.D. Greer has a helpful way to think about this. Uh, He talks about this. He says, some Christians see church as a cruise liner, offering Christian luxuries for the whole family, sports, entertainment, childcare services, business networking. They show up at church asking only, can this church improve my religious quality of life? Does it have good family ministry facilities? Does the preacher preach uh, preach funny? Uh, Does he preach time-conscious messages that, that meet my felt needs? Do I like the music? And if their church ever ceases to cater to their preferences, well, there are plenty of other cruise ships in the harbor. In fact, they often get involved with three or four of them all at once 
After all, the music is great on Cruise Liner A, and and the kids enjoy the youth program at Cruise Liner B, and we do most of our fellowship and Bible study with friends at Cruise Liner C, and we occasionally listen to the podcast of the angry young pastor down the road who tells the funny stories on Cruise Liner D. So that's one approach people have to the church. It's it's a cruise liner that offers Christian luxuries for the whole family. Other Christians believe their church is more like a battleship. Uh, The church is made for mission, and its success should be seen in how loudly and dramatically it fights the mission. Now, that's certainly better than the cruise liner. However, it implies that it is the church institution that does most of the fighting. The role of church members is to pay the pastors to fight the targets and fire the guns each week as they gather to watch. They see the program, services, and ministries of the church as the primary instruments of mission. Then Greer says this, he says, I would like to suggest a third metaphor for the church, an aircraft carrier. Now, like battleships, aircraft carriers engage in battle, but not in the same way. Aircraft carriers equip planes to carry the battle elsewhere. Greer writes, my grandfather served on the USS Yorktown during World War II, and he explained to me that the last place an aircraft carrier ever wanted to find itself engaged in battle was on its own deck. In fact, anywhere near it. We used to watch old World War II movies together, the kind where they intersperse actual battle video clips. And my grandpa once paused a John Wayne movie to show where he was standing on the deck when a plane crashed on deck and broke in half. When you're on an aircraft carrier, he said, the goal is to keep the battle as far away from you as possible. You load up the planes to carry the battle to the enemy. Churches that want to prevail against the gates of hell must learn to see themselves like aircraft carriers, not like battleships and certainly not like cruise liners. Members need to learn to share the gospel without the help of the pastor in the community and start ministries and Bible studies, even churches in places without them. Churches must become discipleship factories, sending agencies that equip their members to take the battle to the enemy. But, and this is important, To do this, we're going to need a new metric for success beyond size. We need to start celebrating not just how many people are coming in, but how many people are going out. It's time that we get excited about how many people we are losing. Seating capacity fuels an even more important metric, sending capacity. So I would say that the institutional church, Lions Bible Church, is not a cruise liner that exists to offer people the requested spiritual or programmatic amenities. Alliance Bible Church is an aircraft carrier. We as individual Christians are fighter jets. ABC exists um, to assist in your spiritual maintenance. It exists to refuel you and arm you and to send you out. And yes, to send out people to start churches. And Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Keep in mind, gates are defensive barricades. They're not offensive weapons. So prevailing against the gates of hell does not mean keeping Satan out of our backyards, but plundering his kingdom. And church planting is an outworking of that. It's an outworking of what the church is supposed to be. Third, the need for churches is great. Now, I know some of you are numbers people. Let me give you some statistics in these next two points. The need for churches is great. So consider this. In the year 1900, there were 28 churches for every 10,000 Americans. By 2004, roughly 100 years later, that number had dropped to 11 churches for every 10,000 Americans. And that continues to decrease today. 
Studies show that in order to keep pace with population growth, we need to double the rate at which we're currently planting new churches. We would need to plant, and by we I mean the gospel-preaching world, would need to plant over 7,200 new churches every year just to keep pace with population growth. So the third reason we plant is the need for churches is great. Fourth reason we plant, starting new churches is our most effective evangelistic outreach. Here's some more numbers from those who've studied this sort of thing. They would confirm that the average new church gains one-third to two-thirds of its new members from the ranks of people who are not attending any church, while churches over 10 to 15 years of age gain 80 to 90% of new members by transfer from other congregations. In other words, new churches are six to eight times more evangelistically effective than existing churches. Larry Kreider has shown that in the average church plant, it takes three people to produce one baptism. But at an existing church, it takes 95 people to produce one baptism. And the stats continue to be the same over and over and over. Everybody who studies this is saying the same thing. Starting new churches is our most effective evangelistic outreach. Fifth, communities need more churches than we think. No one gospel preaching church can reach everyone. Hopefully that's intuitive. There are hundreds of reasons for this. Hundreds of reasons. But we have to remember that the kingdom of God is bigger than any one local gospel preaching church. Cornerstone Church in Grafton is reaching people we can't or couldn't reach. Cedar Creek Community Church is reaching people uh, Alliance Bible Church can't or couldn't reach. And you know what? Lakeside Alliance Church will reach people Alliance Bible Church can't or couldn't reach. There are hundreds of reasons for this. But it's true. Communities need more churches than we think they do. Six, starting new churches grows the pile of resources available for the Great Commission. Now, a, a new church, and this will be tr- this will be true of Lakeside Alliance Church, a new church may need outside resources to get up and running. But the design, the plan, within a few years, it becomes a source of giving to other ministries. Tim Keller contends that church planting is the fastest way to grow the number of new givers to the work of ministry. I mean, think about it. Wouldn't it be great to add another Christian Missionary Alliance church contributing to the Great Commission Fund? Wouldn't it be great to add a- another church supporting the work of international missions? Well, starting new churches is the best way to do that. It grows the pile of resources available for the Great Commission. Number seven, Stewardship of Alliance Bible Church. Now, we have somewhere between 1,200 and 1,500 people who call Alliance Bible Church their church home. This past Easter, the Lord sent us 1,100 people to worship with us. During the course of a month, that's how many people come through our doors on a Sunday morning. Roughly 1,200 people come through our doors on a Sunday morning. Now, listen, the average church size in America today is 90 people. The Lord has given us, for some reason, a lot of people. And with people comes what? With people comes time, talent, and treasure. What are we doing with that time, talent, and treasure? For us not to start another church, in my view, for us not to start another church would be tantamount to hoarding what the Lord has given us. 
We simply can't afford not to. To whom much is given, much is required. Starting another gospel preaching church is a stewardship issue that we can't neglect. Just to put a story on this, in December, I traveled to Omaha, Nebraska to spend time with pastors of City Light Church. City Light Church was birthed out of Christ Community Church in Omaha in 2012. Today, City Light Church is a church of 3,000 people, but more than that, through them, they have planted 12 to 14 other churches. Some of those churches are now grandbabies. That is, churches City Light planted have now started planting. So they have an incredible um, track record of, of church planting. And I spent some time with the pastors of those various churches, and as they asked me to describe Alliance Bible Church to them, every one of them said to me, I wish I had that when we planted. I wish I had what you have when we planted. And in some instances, they said, you're overdue to deliver a new church. There's a stewardship issue here that we cannot ignore. We cannot hoard what the Lord has given us. It's just not acceptable. We are positioned perfectly to birth another gospel preaching church. And last, eighth, planting continues the family legacy. I love this reason. I love this reason. Think about this. How did Alliance Bible Church start? Does anybody know? (laughs) Well, First Alliance Church in Milwaukee decided to plant a church in Mequon. Alliance Bible Church is a daughter church. It was started by another church. If you attend Alliance Bible Church, aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad that in the late 70s, there were pastors, elders, and a congregation who had the courage to say, we can't afford not to start this church in Mequon, Wisconsin. Alliance Bible Church was born in 1978. And if you're grateful to God for Alliance Bible Church, I want you to imagine something. Imagine 44 years from now, it's the distance between 1978 and 2022, 44 years from now, the people of Lakeside Alliance Church, looking back to the year 2023 and saying, I'm grateful to God there were pastors, elders, and a congregation who had the courage to say, we can't afford not to start this church in Port Washington, Wisconsin. That would be a pretty cool story to hear. Now, to answer another question I know you're thinking about, I want to introduce you to the man that the Lord has confirmed to me, the elders of Alliance Bible Church, is the right man to become the first senior pastor of Lakeside Alliance Church. And we are enthusiastic about where this is going. So I want to welcome to the Brian Ainsberg podcast, Pastor John Vallier. Hey, thank you, Brian, so much for having me here. And really, you know, I just want to express a heartfelt thank you uh, for the careful process that you and the elders entered into, the thoughtfulness that you've given to this whole project, and really for the honor that it is to get to help spearhead uh, this work. It's it's a real honor. It's been a it's been a great team effort. Uh, obviously, it takes a lot of hands and minds and hearts to be involved with this and to go about it a certain way. And that's what's been neat is there's been a unity in how we've been approaching this and uh, further confirmation, I think, that we're on the right track. Um, well, uh, I know for you, John, this there's a journey, there's a story yeah. behind this. And so why don't you just take a few minutes and tell the listeners about that 
journey, that story? Yeah, I mean, for years now, uh, Alliance has been saying that we wanted to launch gospel preaching churches throughout South East Wisconsin. And I have been a part of that journey, applauding it, supporting it, wondering who was going to help lead that effort. And it's only been, <laughs> uh, by God's grace, that I, I've, I've now uh, found out who that is. <laughs> so Welcome I am, to the party, pal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I can count myself as surprised as the next person in some ways, but honestly, as we you know press into what God's leading is by faith, we do begin to discover His wisdom mm-hmm. uh, that, that that our God is not a God who's random, who's odd, who does things uh, off the off the hip, right? He He has a plan in mind, and it's wise and it's good. And as we press into it by faith, we begin to see that. For me, you know, as I look back, my journey with church planting started in college. Uh, this was something that was a major focus of mine. Of classes and books and and visiting church plants that were getting started and interviewing church planters. And, and, and even my first ministry assignment in Spokane, Washington, was all focused on church planting. That was a driver behind that decision. And, uh, and so that had been a big dream of mine that three years into ministry, I sensed the Lord asking me to surrender. And so I did that and I didn't look back. And when you first actually brought up the idea of church planting, and and if you recall, it was actually, you even said specifically Port Washington with this large group of people. Uh, I, I met that idea internally with scorn <laughs> about the idea of me potentially leading that work, not the idea itself, just my particular potential role in that. And I had nothing, I, I had no interest in that because I I had looked at that as a dream that you know God had asked me to surrender and I had not heard him ask me to pick it back up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's really had been then the posture that even as I, I tried to somewhat be open to that, uh, I remained in uh, until uh, March 4th, 2020. I went back and checked the dates in my journal from, from that time. Wow. And that was the day that God planted a verse and a phrase uh, and a picture really on my mind that started this whole process, kicked it into high gear. And really what uh, began from that moment on was a wrestling in my heart, uh, looking for God's confirmation. You know, I've learned over the years, you know, it's not just about what, what, what God uh, or what we wonder if God has sparked you know, in a particular vision with us, but looking really for his confirmation that our God's not a small God. You know, he, if, if he wants to make something clear to us, he has all the power he needs to be able to make it clear to us. And so following that for months ahead uh, until November 29th, um, that was kind of the next really big marker on my journey. I had already seen how God had confirmed this through research, through other people, wise counsel, uh, and so forth. But uh, November 29th, 2020, uh, God spoke to me really clearly and personally. He had been breaking our hearts for uh, Port Washington and the northern Ozaki area, but it was that morning he used a passage of scripture to give me clarity confirmation from his word on this. And that's when I did an about face mm-hmm. and uh, and came to you 
and look to see if there was a convergence between what, what God was doing in my heart and, and where we were headed as a church still, um, because we had been through a pandemic. We had been through a lockdown. We had been through uh, a thousand and one questions and problems and possibilities. And yet here we were on the cusp of looking at planting. Mm-hmm. At looking at launching something new, and 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 God just continued to lead us in that path, planting one faith-filled step at a time. Yeah, and this whole thing since then, in preparation for this, has also been a journey. This is not something we've been flippantly pursuing. Right there has been there has been a lot <laughs> that you've been a part of since that time in preparing yourself and even your wife preparing yep. Yep. for this. <clears throat> Talk just a couple minutes about that. Yeah. So beyond maybe the typical of reading books, pursuing conversations with other leaders in this field and so forth, uh, we also did uh, an assessment process, went to a multi-day uh, assessment training uh, center where you're doing uh, all kinds of interview after interview. Uh, somebody once compared it to a mental colonoscopy. <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment. Who was having that? Been through it. Who was that? <laughs> so, uh, you know, we did that. We've, we've been through a basics training for church planters. Again, uh, several days um, in, intensive uh, training for that. Uh, we have onboarded coaches and other uh, supporting entities to make this happen. And you learn so much, you know, just going through all of that, all of that process uh, that uh, has been shaping the time leading up to now. So another question I'm sure that people are wondering about, uh, besides the one we've an- ones we've answered, why are we planting at all? Why is even that part of a church strategy? The who, we've got Pastor John and his story and his journey, his preparation for this. There's another question I'm sure people are asking, and that is, why this area? Yeah, which I think is, is a great question and a really fair question. You know, for me, uh, that answer does though still begin theologically. And, you know, when I look at the scriptures, Acts 16, I think is a great example of what it means to kind of wrestle through uh, why why go there. You know, in that, in that passage, you have uh, the Apostle Paul in a team that has been on a missionary venture, and God has been closing door after door to various cities. And then in the midst of that uh, process of God saying, no, 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 God plants a vision in Paul's dream of a man from Macedonia who's inviting him to come help. And what is the help that they give, by the way, is preaching the gospel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the help that they respond with. But Paul shares that vision back with his team. And the text specifically says, and they concluded, right? They mm-hmm. And concluding that God was calling them to there. It wasn't just Paul and his vision. There was a sense that other leaders, uh, a team around him is now making a decision, right? There's mm-hmm. been a vision, but now there's a decision. And as they begin to approach that by faith and take that, that step, we can look at that today and go, this is how the gospel came to Europe. This is how the gospel forever changed Western civilization. Mm-hmm. And what seems just faith-filled steps on the, on the surface, we also find 
God-filled wisdom and strategy running right underneath that, that we now look at and celebrate. Um, so as I look at specifically why there, you know, I do consider things of, of having looked at uh, the growth in our congregation and then specifically looking at the 170 attenders and members that call that area their home, and yet call this their home church, that regularly are making a trek uh, 15 minutes and all the way up to 40 minutes uh, from there to here, that, that, that we have already seen a, uh, a harvest, uh, a, a sense of, of gathering that our church has experienced from that area, and, uh, and, and just a long swath throughout that area. So there's, there's definitely been that happening. And, and then as you know, we look at that further, uh, God's provision for us has really set us up to be able to do this. Our church has had multiple experiences now with launching missional endeavors. You know, we're not coming at this having never started something mm-hmm. or being, you know, mountains in debt, and now mm-hmm. we're going to try to do yet something else. Rather, we're debt-free, having had a lot of success in starting missional endeavors. And so our people are, are really primed here, and, 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 and the people there uh, have a heart for reaching that area. They have a heart for reaching their hometowns, their own cities in that area. And and as we look maybe then specifically at Sockville and Port Washington, areas where we have drawn the most people from, closest to here, um, yet far enough away that we have an opportunity to to, to really impact in a new way uh, that, uh, that really makes a lot of good sense. As we look at those particular uh, cities themselves, we see 19,088 people just between those two zip codes. That's the population pocket. 19,088 people. That's the population. And amongst that, if we were to look at that and go, what's the population to churches there? We would Mm -hmm. see one person for roughly, uh, one church, I'm sorry, one church for roughly 1,300 people. One church for every 1,300 people. And that we could also say uh, we, we might be using the church term yeah. loosely. A little loosely, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, several of those churches would not be holding to the authority of Scripture, mm-hmm. would not be uh, preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's actually precious few that we would count amongst them as partners mm-hmm. in the ministry. And as we've uh, taken the time to have personal conversations with each of those churches— it, their response has been open arms yeah. because they recognize this too, because they're genuinely interested in another ministry partner, another contributor to this area that's going to help reach mm-hmm. 19,088 people, uh, a large swath of whom have zero interaction in their faith period. Uh, some have a somewhat slight uh, involvement in their faith, um, and, and, and others do have a strong you know, faith background. Uh, by, by and large, we've been working, uh, by the way, on this, uh, on creating our Lakeside Larry and our Lakeside Lucy. Who's the average person uh, in Sockville, Port Washington area? And, uh, and as you look at that, and you start to go, you know, this is a very homogenous area. This is a very traditional area. Uh, this is a, a middle-class uh, white uh, family of, you know, mom, dad, uh, one, maybe two kid, you know, kind of, kind of area. Uh, we're, we're not over there 
primarily solving a physical need or a poverty need. We're solving a spiritual need mm-hmm. in a spiritually impoverished group of people who 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 genuinely would would uh, attest that they have little interest in spiritual things, little interest in spiritual development, uh, and and so forth. That's why we're going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hopefully that, that that answers some of the questions that you're thinking about. Keep in mind that in the weeks and months to come, we'll be answering more and more of those questions, the who, what, when, where, why, how type of questions. We're just getting started with that. You, uh, you heard three questions today. Why plant at all? Um, why, you know, who is going to be, you know, leading the charge? You heard Pastor John's personal story and why that particular area. There are more details we look forward to providing for you in the weeks to come. For now, let me leave you with this reminder from Jesus's own mouth. Remember, on this rock, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Thanks for tuning into this bonus episode of the Brian Ainsworth Podcast. And we look forward to catching you here next time.